the left hook for the week of July 24th, 2022 on this episode of the Driving with Rob podcast. In case you missed last week's episode, I talked about the left hook or what I'm calling the left hook, the obvious Democrat bias on the Sunday morning political news shows. Because it is my belief, and will always be my belief until something changes, that the major network news programs are all slanted toward promoting the agenda of the Democrat Party. And as I have said before, I believe that the current news programs are little more than the propaganda arm of the Democrat Party. And this really started being a problem 30 years ago, maybe 40 years ago, pretty much ever since Walter Cronkite retired. Dan Rather was left-wing biased, but he was conservative compared to the people that we have in charge of the news networks now. But anyway, let's get to it. The very first one on ABC is a program called This Week with George Stephanopoulos. And he has a segment on his show called the Powerhouse Roundtable, where he gets a bunch of leftos together, and they basically beat up the Republicans for a certain segment of the program. Well, this week, George Stephanopoulos apparently was on vacation, so Jonathan Carl was sitting in for George Stephanopoulos. Well, pretty much the entire broadcast, the entire program of this week with George Stephanopoulos was about the January 6th hearings and climate change. They pretty much only had two things they talked about. And you can always tell what the new Democrat talking points are by watching these Sunday morning shows, because if you watch them all, if you watch the Stephanopoulos show and meet the press and face the nation, they're all saying the same thing as if they all got the memo and they're all pushing the same talking points from one week to the next. Well, this is the week of July 24th, 2022. And the first thing they talked about, of course, was the January 6th committee hearings. With all the problems that we have in this country, highest inflation rate since Jimmy Carter, highest oil prices in history, the United States losing credibility with every foreign country because we have a doddering old man as president of the United States. But the most important thing they have to talk about is punishing Donald Trump and the whole Trump administration and anybody that helped him and anybody that did anything having to do with January 6th and the events of January 6th. Well, now, like I said on the last podcast episode, what you've got going on here with this January 6th committee hearings is a bunch of senators, congressmen getting together. Basically, they already have a punishment. They're trying to find a crime. They've already decided they're going to punish Donald Trump somehow. They're hoping that they can find something, anything, criminal, that they can charge him with. So far, they haven't found anything. He said this. He pressured this person. But so far, he hasn't committed a crime. 
they're still trying to charge him with one, and they're still going to punish him somehow. Count on it, because this whole January 6th hearing is a punishment looking for a crime. Now, they already nailed Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon finally decided to go ahead and testify, or agree to testify. Well, they charged Steve Bannon with a misdemeanor. The misdemeanor is contempt of Congress. And immediately, the first thing I thought of was, is contempt for Congress a crime? Contempt of Congress is a crime. I have contempt for Congress. I think it's the most corrupt, contemptible bunch of people in the country. But the reason they found him in contempt is because they had subpoenaed him to testify. And Steve Bannon basically told him to go pound sand. He wasn't coming. You're going to have to arrest me and drag me in. I'm not coming. Because he was saying, I have executive privilege. Meaning that, as someone who worked for the President of the United States, he could not be compelled to divulge information that was shared between him and the President of the United States. Which he should have had. But apparently after he moved on and was no longer doing that job, now he no longer has protection under executive privilege because he said things and did things after he was no longer officially working for the president. But Congress subpoenaed him because they wanted to interrogate him just like they did that uh, other guy. What's his name? Uh, Shoot, I can't remember his name now. But they wanted to drag him out and, and interrogate him and see if they could get him to spill the beans on what they planned to charge former President Trump with. Well, this contempt of Congress. There's only been one person in the last hundred years before Steve Bannon who has ever been charged with contempt of Congress. And I think that was back in the 1930s sometime. It was almost a hundred years ago. But, January 6th happened, and the Democrats want to punish somebody for it. And so far, they have punished Steve Bannon. But they want to punish Trump for something. Well, the two main ones that they talked about, and this is one of the things that the Democrats push. We have two Republicans who believe Trump committed a crime. Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. And Liz Cheney made the statement during this committee hearing that Trump can't be trusted with political power ever again. Now, I don't know what kind of personal acts to grind Liz Cheney has with Trump, but she was uh, a never-Trumper and always has been. She didn't like Donald Trump ever. And she's not leading the charge to indict Trump. She just happens to be one of the Republicans. It's still a Democrat movement. And Liz Cheney has proven herself to be a Republican in name only by going after the former president the way she has. And they're calling her a hero. Well, who's calling her a hero? The Democrats are calling her a hero. Because if you're a Republican who is doing the bidding of the Democrats, then that makes you a hero to the Democrats. And Kinzinger is the same way. And he uses the buzzwords 
failed coup attempt. There was no coup attempt. But he used this failed coup several times during his little speech. And he said Kevin McCarthy is a liar because he was defending the president. He says, you can hate me, you can hate Liz Cheney, but you're being lied to. Well, yeah, you are being lied to. But you're being lied to by the Democrats. You're not being lied to by the Trump administration. You're being lied to by the Democrats. And they talked about all of these people that gave their testimonies during the committee hearings and startling revelations came out. No, there's no startling revelations. What came out is Donald Trump saw it happening and didn't order the people doing it to stand down. Hate it for you, Kinzinger, but that's not a crime. He called it, and this whole committee, this is another buzzword that they're using, is dereliction of duty. And just like I said in the podcast last week, the Democrats are throwing these phrases and these buzzwords against the wall and seeing what sticks. And whatever sticks, whatever seems to resonate with people, that's the line that they're going to go with. And that's what they're going to tell everybody and all the Democrats. This is how we're going to characterize it. These are the words we're going to use. Well, dereliction of duty is one of those words. It's not dereliction of duty. In your opinion, it is. But again, it's not a punishable crime, but they're trying to turn it into one. But failed coup and dereliction of duty, these are two terms that you're going to hear over and over and over from the Democrats. In my opinion, it is that this whole thing boils down to they talked Biden into running for president. Joe Biden did not want to run for president. And whatever guilt trip, whatever appeal that they used to get Biden to run for president, that's what they did and basically told him, the, again, this is my opinion, Bernie can't beat Trump. We think you can. And somehow convinced Joe Biden that he owed it to the party, owed it to his country to run for president. Because the Democrats had no viable candidate apart from Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders was winning all the primaries. He was leading in all the polls until Joe Biden finally won a primary. He won South Carolina. And they decided that Joe Biden thereby proved that he could get black voters and they didn't believe that Bernie Sanders could. So they started promoting Joe Biden and making sure Joe Biden ran well now that Joe Biden is in. And the whole country is in chaos. The economy is in chaos. And now even the progressives have turned on him. And the progressives, of course, are the extreme left wing. They're calling them progressive because extreme militant left wing sounds too harsh. But that's who they are. But they're calling them progressives. And the progressives are the militants who believe that it's okay to protest in front of the private homes of Supreme Court justices. The progressives believe that it's okay to set fire to federal buildings and police cars during a protest, what they call a peaceful protest. But anyway, the bottom line is 
The Democrats have nothing else to run on, just like they had nothing to run on in 2020, except we're not Donald Trump. We're not part of the Trump machine. We're not part of the Trump fan base. We are the anti-Trump party. That's all they have to run on. They can't run on their record. They can't run on their accomplishments because they don't have any. So what they're hoping, hoping against hope, that there's still enough hatred for Donald Trump in this country, that that's going to help them win in 2020. Their battle, or in 2022, their battle cry in 2020 was, I'm not Donald Trump. Their battle cry for the midterm elections in 22, we still hate Trump. They put all their eggs in one basket because they literally have nothing else. And one of the things that they were trying to point out uh, during this whole uh, Trump bashing thing and the January 6th thing on This Week with George Stephanopoulos is how shocking and startling it was that Trump and former Vice President Pence were in Arizona this week campaigning for two different candidates. Trump was supporting one, Mike Pence was supporting the other in the Arizona primary and they were trying to play this up as, see, Pence is somebody we can trust. Trump is not. And this is the agenda that they're trying to push. Well, Pence is his own man. He can support anybody he wants to support. Trump is his own man and can support anybody he wants to support. But the Democrats are trying to make it a whole big deal that Trump and Pence were supporting two different candidates in the primary. Now, after the primary, only one of these candidates is going to be running against the Democrat, whoever the Democrat is. But they didn't even mention the Democrat's name. All the focus was on the Republican primary. And, of course, they bring out the, uh, the usual cast of characters for their, uh, what Stephanopoulos calls the powerhouse roundtable. Chris Christie, who is still a conservative, still a Republican, but... No big fan of Donald Trump. Donna Brazil, who, in my opinion, is the worst all-Democrat, all-the-time person in the United States. She's former chairman of the Democrat Party. And anything the Democrats do is right. Anything the Republicans do is wrong. That's Donna Brazil in a nutshell. And they had this other person, a uh, ABC correspondent named Rachel Scott, had another person, uh, Catherine Laurie, uh, from the Wall Street Journal. But they're all waving the same flag, carrying the same baton. We hate Donald Trump. One of the things that Donna Brazil brought up more than once, Trump is the leader of the Republican Party. Now, why does she say that? Donald Trump is the leader of the Republican Party because she is banking on and putting all her eggs in the basket of Donald Trump is to be hated, is to be feared, and if we can tie all Republicans to Donald Trump, then that makes all Republicans guilty by association. And the Democrats are such weasels that in the state of Maryland, in the governor's race, the Democrat Party in Maryland ran ads supporting the Trump candidate during the primary hoping that the Trump candidate could beat the other Republican candidate because they believe with the 
80% Democrat voter base in the state of Maryland, that they can beat a Trump candidate. But they can't beat a standard conservative who says we need to stop wasting taxpayer money, we need to fund the police, we need to support our military, we need to stop using abortion as birth control. No, we can't have a standard conservative because there are still moderate and conservative Democrats who might vote for him. If we can support the Trump candidate, all we have to do is say the name Trump and all the 80% Democrats will go vote for the Democrat candidate, no matter what he stands for. And Chris Christie, rightly so, in, in his part of the segment, said that the Democrats want to make the midterms about Trump. And of course, this uh, Carl guy who is sitting in for Stephanopoulos, anytime he talked to Chris Christie, he would talk about your friends in the Republican Party say dot, dot, dot. So he was, even though Chris Christie was on the panel, still trying to associate Chris Christie with Donald Trump. And Chris Christie has never been a friend of Donald Trump. Trust me on that. Well, later on in the show, they had the current governor of Maryland, who, again, like Liz Cheney, is a Republican in name only. He's a Trump hater. And I'm not saying that you have to like Trump to be a good Republican. But if you can't give Trump credit for all the accomplishments he was able to make in four years, if you hate him that much, then I have serious doubts about your conservative ideals. And the current governor of Maryland was calling the Trump candidate, I literally called the Trump candidate, a QAnon whack job. So the current governor of Maryland doesn't want to see another Republican governor in Maryland. He would rather see the Democrats take over than a Trump Republican take over, even though this guy calls himself a Republican. And like I said, I have, I have serious doubts about his credentials as a conservative if he hates Trump that much. The man was obviously a rhino to begin with because, again, the Maryland voter base, by this guy's own admission, is 80% Democrat. So if the Democrats voted for you, then I have serious doubts about how good a Republican you are. So anyway, the other part of the show, apparently during the January 6th hearings, somebody mentioned Al Gore. And it's like all of a sudden, all the Democrats went, oh yeah, Al Gore's still alive. Let's go talk to Al Gore. So, Meet the Press talked to him. This week was Stephanopoulos talked to him. I think Face the Nation interviewed him too, you know, because Al Gore is still out there and still kicking. And one of the few Democrats from the past who didn't have some kind of a taint on him that might actually be able to lend some credibility to this cast of clowns 
that are trying to run the government now. And this was another thing. Uh, Donna Brazil mentioned that the Republicans keep looking at the past, keep looking to the past. The Democrats are looking toward the future. But every one of these shows dragged up Al Gore. Tell me who's looking back at the past if it's not the Democrats. And Al Gore, bless his heart. Al Gore, I think, made it pretty clear that he has no presidential ambition anymore. That he's out of politics and plans to stay out of politics. But here's a new buzzword you're going to hear from the Democrats. Climate change emergency. The CCE. The survival of our species, he said, depends on completely eliminating carbon emissions. The entire human race is going to go extinct, he says, if we don't stop carbon emissions. And of course, just like they do every year, they drag, they trot these guys out in the summertime. Because remember, they used to call it global warming. Now they call it climate change. But anyway, they only talk to them in the summertime. They never talk to them in the wintertime when it's cold. Yeah, it's hot. It's been hot before. It'll be hot again. But I don't blame it on auto emissions. I blame it on the summer equinox. The fact that it's hot every July and August. And we haven't even gotten into August yet. So you're going to hear these climate change nuts ramping up over the next month. Joe Biden called climate change a clear and present danger. And Al Gore says the only way that we can get a handle on global climate change is to stop drilling for oil. Stop using coal and stop using oil. Right now, the entire human race depends on it. What are you going to use instead? Well, we'll put up wind turbines. Well, you know, that's all well and good. Put up all the wind turbines you want. But you can gradually phase out fossil fuels without snatching everybody by the neck and making $4 a gallon gasoline and rolling blackouts during the height of summer and turning everybody's air conditioners off. We're getting there more quickly than we predicted. No, we're not. Because you said by 2010, Florida would be underwater because of rising sea levels due to climate change. We're in 2022. It's not getting worse more quickly than you predicted. And even Al Gore, when they ask Al Gore, you know, when they got tar tired of talking about climate change, they wanted to get Al Gore's take on the January 6th hearing. He says that these people including these two Republican turncoats that are in the news every day, have done an incredible job of influencing voters. And that was probably the most honest statement I'd heard during the entire program. They have done an incredible job of influencing voters, which is their only goal. Their only goal is to influence voters and to keep you from voting Republican. But the reason they trotted Al Gore out on this show and Meet the Press was because when Al Gore lost to George W. Bush in a very, very close race, Al Gore believed in a peaceful 
transition of power. He said he wasn't going to fight it. He wasn't going to demand an investigation, which is a lie because they did go do recounts in all these different places. Remember in Florida, they had this thing called the hanging Chad, you know, where in Florida, the ballots you punched out a little punch out thing. They called a Chad for the person you wanted to vote for. And it was really a crappy voting system that they had come up with, uh, for being able to, to mechanize or computerize the vote counts. And it just, you know, it was a disaster in Florida, especially. So they had to recount Florida a couple of times, I think. But Al Gore lost, and he was very gracious in his concession speech. And so they said, this is what Trump should have done. So they finally realized that Al Gore was still alive. And so they trotted Al Gore out to talk about it. Because as far as they're concerned, he's like the last credible Democrat who could possibly say anything to make this horrendously bad administration that's in the White House now look better. If we can get Al Gore on our side, well, all Al Gore wants to talk about is climate change. So we go over to meet the press. Chuck Todd said in his very opening monologue, 359 records have been set this summer for record-setting heat. And he used this to preface his interview with Al Gore and how this was the biggest problem that we face as a country, as a species, is climate change. And that the U.S. is reluctant to act. Because of the Republicans. Completely, 100% blaming the Republicans for the extinction of the human race. Tell me again how you're not biased, Chuck. Come on, man. Anyway, in the Al Gore interview with Chuck Todd, he asked a little different questions, but it was still all basically the same stuff. Al Gore, of course, says, going back decades that the current horrendously life-threatening, species-threatening, extinction-threatening global climate change is going to get much, much worse. That's what he said. Much, much worse? Well, when he said much, much worse, he was actually talking about the extreme heat, uh, extremely violent storms, um, drought conditions, all these weather related things we're going to get much much worse and of course he says it's a global problem but he doesn't expect anybody else to do anything about it he expects the united states to do something about it he says the u.s must provide leadership and that joe biden is trying to provide leadership that's what he says but the republicans are fighting him And Al Gore's answer to global climate change is to elect pro-climate change senators and congressmen. Because, as everybody knows, there's really only two problems in the United States right now. Convicting Trump of a crime and fixing climate change. And, of course, Chuck Todd did ask Al Gore, what do you think 
if you were advising Joe Biden, what would you advise Joe Biden to do? Well, first of all, we have to stop drilling on public lands. Well, see, not drilling on public lands is one of the reasons that gas prices went to $4 a gallon. And Chuck, to his credit, said, but all the things that it will take to stop using fossil fuels is part of what's driving the price of gas up. Of course, Chuck Todd stopped short of saying the reason the economy is headed toward a recession is because gas prices are $5 a gallon, $4 a gallon. Al Gore's response to that, well, the price of gas is coming down. Yeah, dude, dude. Price of gas went up $2 a gallon. It comes down 50 cents a gallon. That's not a win. That's not a triumph. So then when they, they got the, the Al Gore stuff out of the way, then we go back to Chuck. You know, and Chuck Todd is, again, talking about or talking to people who are completely 100% in favor of the criminal prosecution of Donald Trump. This is what they want. They want to be able to prosecute Donald Trump for something. They want to indict him for something. They want to charge him with a crime of some sort. But so far, they can't find any crime that's been committed. They don't think it was right, but it's they, they can't find a crime that they can charge him with. So they interviewed this lady. What was her name? Elaine... Lauren, a Democrat from Virginia, she said right off the bat, we thought this would be the last week of hearings, but so much more evidence has come, has, has presented itself. Now, the, the only evidence they have is that Trump knew what was going on and Trump didn't issue an order for them to stop. It's still not a crime. But now they have all this new, quote unquote, evidence, new evidence, so now they think there's going to be another week of hearings and testimony. And this lady said, and I quote, I sure as hell hope there will be a criminal investigation against Trump. Again, she came right out and said it. This is all they're after. I'm telling you, they want to charge Trump with a crime because if they can convict Trump of a crime, he can never run for president again. That's their biggest fear. They did everything they could, and in my opinion, including voter fraud, to win in November of 2020. And now that the only person they thought had a chance to beat Trump has sent the whole U.S. economy into utter chaos, they're not sure he can beat him again. And when you show Joe Biden, Joe Biden looks like an escapee from a nursing home. You know, he looks like the kind of dude that you see on the silver alerts. You know, Grandpa got loose. Can you help us find him? They're not sure that Biden can beat Trump again. They pumped him full of steroids, full of some kind of amphetamine, something that pumped him up so he could go through the campaign. Because every time you see him now, he looks like an old man who can barely put one foot in front of the other. Remember when his bicycle fell over? 
He fell over. He didn't wreck. He just fell over. They're not 100% sure that they can convince American voters again that Biden has a better choice. And this lady, this Elaine Loria said, and Chuck completely 100% agreed, there needs to be a pro-democracy candidate in the Republican Party. Because as you know, Republicans are anti-democracy. Give me a break. That's what they're wanting you to believe. This is what they're trying to tell you. And during the roundtable thing with Chuck, you know, one of the comments that came out of that was that Trump was unfit for political office. Unfit for political office. He's former president of the United States, but he's unfit for political office. Now, this is what they're trying to sell you. This is what they want you to believe. So then Chuck Todd talks to Janet Yellen, who is the current Treasury Secretary under Joe Biden. And Chuck Todd asks, just point blank, is there a recession coming? Are we already in one? What do you think she said? What do you think the Treasury Secretary said? No. We're not in a current recession and there's not one on the horizon. Why? Because the labor market is strong. See, when they make these comments, the labor market is strong. You know why the labor market is strong? Because you locked everybody out for two years during COVID. You locked everybody out during the first whole year of Joe Biden. All these companies let their employees go. All these companies went bankrupt because they weren't allowed to operate. Well, now that you've allowed them to take their masks off and go back to work, now they don't have enough people. So yeah, they've had to hire more people. The labor market is strong, she says. But now remember, when they ask, when Chuck asked, are we in a recession? Are we headed to a recession? She said, well, no. No, well, of course not. But then she said, the economy is slowing. What does that mean? But then she immediately counters that with consumer spending is up. Well, of course consumer spending is up. The price of everything you buy is up. If you bought the same stuff you bought a year ago, you paid more for it this year than you did last year. No matter what it is. Of course spending is up. And of course she towed the Democrat line and says, but the price of gas is coming down. Yeah. And just like I said in last week's podcast, Biden takes no responsibility. The Biden administration takes no responsibility for the reason gas is as high as it is now. But you let it come down 30 cents, 40 cents, 50 cents, and don't think he's not going to take credit for it coming down but took no responsibility for why it went up. And she said another thing that's going to keep us out of recession is we're hoping, hoping, to maintain the current level of health care cost. Health care is already too high. It has been too high. It was too high before Obamacare, and it went higher after Obamacare. 
Everything costs more money. Prescription drugs cost more money. Hospital stays cost more money. Doctor visits cost more money ever since Obama. But the Treasury Secretary said if we can maintain the current levels, as long as they don't go any higher, we might be able to avoid a recession. And then as Chuck continued with his interview, she even admitted, well, you know, even though the labor market is strong, there is a slowing of job creation. That's because there never was any job creation. Everybody went back to work. The people who had lost their jobs are finding other jobs and going back to work. And, of course, the Treasury Secretary, this is another Democrat hook. This is another left hook, another Democrat line. This inflation is a global problem, not a U.S. problem. Again, the U.S. economy drives the world economy. When the U.S. economy does well, the global economy does well. When the U.S. economy is failing, the global economy is failing. The U.S. economy drives the rest of the world. And, of course, she also blamed the war in Ukraine because of Russian oil and Russian embargoes is crippling the world economy. No, it's not. The Russians were never part of the global economy. Remember when they used to call it the Iron Curtain? It ain't changed much. The Russians are not part of the global economy. They never were. That's why the Russian economy is hurting so bad. And one of the reasons they hate the Ukrainians so bad is because after the collapse of the Soviet Union, the Ukrainians had an economy that was very similar to the United States, while the Russians were still living like third world countries because all the money they made they spent on nuclear weapons. But the Treasury Secretary summed up her remarks by saying, we are not in a recession and we are not headed toward one. And face the nation, I won't get too much into face the nation today because they, it was pretty much all the same stuff. Trump, bad. Climate change, bad. Democrats, good. Joe Biden, good. Gas prices are coming down, thanks to Joe Biden. No, it's all the same stuff. It's all the same stuff. All the Sunday morning shows, they're all towing the Democrat line. But the big points to remember, the talking points for the Democrats for the upcoming week, is that January 6th was a failed coup. This is the new name for it. They're not even saying insurrection anymore. They're saying a failed coup. Donald Trump is guilty of dereliction of duty. That's the two big things that you're going to hear. And you may or may not hear a lot about climate change this week. Chances are you will, and you know why? Because it's still hot. It's still July. So they're still going to be talking about climate change. And they're going to be talking about climate change until October. But you know what's happening in October? The month before or two weeks before the November election? That's when the January 6th committee plans to release their full report of their findings. We can't win in November unless we tie all the Republicans to Donald Trump and try to remind Americans 
that Donald Trump is the most evil man who ever walked the earth. Because if we can't tie all the Republicans to Donald Trump, there is no way we can win in November because the Democrats have completely screwed the country up since Joe Biden took office. And it's just going to get worse. And the only thing, in my opinion, that would make it even worse is when Joe Biden is finally found to be incompetent and either resigns or is removed from office and Kamala takes over. Then it'll get even worse. And that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. I appreciate you listening. Thanks for downloading. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends. Tell other people about it. And as long as I keep getting good response from the podcast, I'll keep doing them. All right. Thanks again. I'll talk to you next time. Bye now.